Welcome along once more. This is the Talker United Yellow Army Herald Express Devon Live podcast um, coming to you in a very similar circumstances to the last couple of weeks. We have much to discuss, but none of it is goal related. Plen- plenty has happened, though. Plenty has happened. <laughs> a great deal has happened. Oh, We're coming at you after the bank holiday weekend, and yeah. that alone gives us plenty to talk about. Thank you very much to the people, uh, first of all, who've been commenting after last week's enormously long podcast. Thanks to Chris and Hayden and Julian, all of whom enjoyed that. We must try and, we must. We must try and cut things a little bit short. <laughs> we must the, try the, the trouble is that we enjoy it much too much, don't we, a guy? So, we must uh, try and curb our ramblings yeah, at some yeah. point. Now, look, we're going to start on an upbeat note. Now, Talking United fans who haven't seen the news yet this afternoon may not realise that there is an upbeat note, but there is one. Yeah. In fact, there are two. two. Yes. Yeah, and... and um, well, you personally, Henders, uh, we sat together at the pre-season game against Bristol City, uh, which Bristol City, yeah. under-23s, I beg their pardon, uh, won 3-1, and uh, you turned to me <laughs> uh, halfway through the second half and said, why on earth don't we go and get him? We, and, uh, and we have. And we have, yeah. Opie o- Edwards. Opie yeah. Edwards, a yeah. winger who scored, I think scored two. Yeah, in, in that game. It's, it's a friendly, it's not a proper game, no. but he looked decent, he looked fast. Yeah. He looked and, just the uh, kind United of thing have, we need. Yes, and United have all, also taken a midfield player called Jake Andrews, who stuck a 20-yard free kick into the top corner <laughs> that night as well. So we've actually um, got the scorers of all three of their goals Yes, that night. I think it, it, okay. I'm pretty sure we have. Um, now, obviously, this is Gary Hours, head of recruitment, Dave Hedges, Bristol City connection clicking in here again. Of course, United had George Dowling and uh, Conor Lemonhay yeah. Evans on loan last season. Um, uh, but uh, these are two lads um, with a, a bit of previous. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Opie Edwards had two spells on loan at Bath last season under Jerry Gill. Uh, did pretty well. He also made quite a good impression when he played for Bristol City in an FA Cup tie against Watford. Um, yeah. Played the full 90 minutes. Even though City lost that 3-0, apparently he went into a few notebooks and he certainly looked decent in the pre-season game. He did. Uh, he, he brings a quality which United have been distinctly lacking this season so far, and that's some pace. Yeah. Um, and I think I get the general uh, uh, feeling that he might well, um, uh, along with Andrews, prompt a, a, a formation change uh, for United. Really? Um, yeah. Uh, United haven't really had proper wingers if you know what I mean this no. season they've been playing with this 3-5-2 wing back formation and I just get the feeling Jake Andrews is an attacking midfield player who can play on the left wing as well as yeah. um, sort of in behind the strikers so we understand so um, I wouldn't be at all surprised if United go 4-4-2 or 4-3-3 yeah. against Hemel Hempstead at Playmore on Saturday as a result of these two lads whether they'll both start or not we're, we're not quite sure but certainly that was the little vibe that we were getting yeah. from Gary Hours at his press conference today. And his hand um, has also been forced a little bit by injuries, hasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, United were already without uh, Jakob Sokolik uh, and Jean-Yves Kouen-Niate, um, and his both injury, central defenders. Niate's injury has turned out to be worse than we thought well, as well, worse, hasn't it? Worse and better. Um, uh, he's now had a um, he had some a scan which revealed a, a broken bone in his mm-hmm. ankle. He's now gone back to the consultant, and the consultant reckons, and apparently it is, it's an old, it's an old injury that he he yeah. barely knew he had. 
um, from earlier in his career, from earlier in his life. So it's not a new injury. Mm-hmm. So that's a plus point. He's still yeah. going to be out for the best part of a month, but he's been able to come out of plaster and put a boot on now. Good. Uh, when any fans who saw uh, the big Frenchman, who, by the way, is is one of the nicest bloke you could ever wish to meet, and um, yeah. I would encourage anybody to go up and have a chat with him because he'll he'll uh, <laughs> chew the fat with you all day long. Um, uh, he's um, it would have looked at him last Saturday uh, in the home game against Hampton with this big cast on his leg and thought, well, one oh, or my two goodness, people did, yeah. Well, uh, yeah. How long is he going to be out? Especially since um, you know Jean has made such a good. Yeah, impression since he got here. I think everybody likes the look of him. Puts his head on it, doesn't he? And and mm. you know, kicks it first and yeah, starts thinking about alternatives second, and um, done well at centre half. And but and then you know the the the, uh, the prognosis at that time last weekend was that it could be four to six weeks with this yeah. break. Yeah. Well, it now appears that he hasn't actually broken it in the training ground incident. This one, uh, it is an old injury. Uh, uh, and the consultant is less concerned about that and has put him in a boot rather than yeah. taking him out of a cast. So with a bit of luck, he'll be out for a month. But uh, the third one out now for a month is Samir Nabi, the midfield player who really? joined United yeah. in the summer. Um, uh, he tore an abductor muscle, which is sort of high in your thigh, mm-hmm. groin area, yeah. uh, and that was the reason he had to come off um, in uh, Monday's nil-nil draw away to Gloucester City. I keep saying at Gloucester City, but because it isn't at isn't, Gloucester no. City, it was at Evesham. But, um, a little bit further so up anyway, he's going to be out for probably a month. So there's three players out for the foreseeable future. So the I mean, obviously, is stretched, isn't it? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, obviously, the the the, uh, and I think that might also be feeding into this this idea that um, the three five two might go to a four at the back. Yeah. Um, uh, you you know, you, United can preserve that by by moving Asa Hall into the back three, which mm-hmm. where he's done okay. And Ben Winter, in, actually, the, who's basically a right back, he ended up playing right centre back. Um, during the second half when United yeah. had to try and shake things up a bit at Evesham um, uh, but I just get the feeling that um, in search of some much needed yeah. uh, goals yeah. United have gone four games now not only without a win but without a goal I think it's six hours and 38 minutes they've gone it without is hitting indeed. the net yeah. um, and I, th- I think Gary Owls looked as if he might be about to to yeah. go in search of a bit more firepower and a bit more attacking flair. Now, Gary, the, the elephant in the room this week, of course, is is the position of Gary Owers. Now, we, we, we never have and we're never going to let this podcast be used as a blunt instrument to beat managers over the head. That's not what we're here for. No. Um, but the way the form is going, we'll get on to what happened at Evesham. Yeah, uh, we can a, touch a, on that in a touch minute. Touch on that in a minute. Yeah. But the way the form is going... The manager's position must be precarious. Well, I, I think that the situation is that uh, United are not playing as United fans expect them to play, over mm. and above the form of the team. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Gary Owers has mentioned an interesting sort of thing this week. He said that, that, that during his sort of statistical analysis of how you tackle a season like this and how you go about trying to win promotion, yeah. is that um, he said if you keep 20 clean sheets during the course of the season, 
uh, that's a pretty ba good basis for going up. Now, he was very quick to admit that on the back of 20 <laughs> clean sheets, you do have to go and sc start scoring some yeah. goals. Um, and United have only conceded three goals in, um, uh, in seven matches so far. But that is not what they are in the National League no. South to do. You know? and, and sooner or later, um, I, I think that's what's concerned United supporters over and above everything else. United got relegated last season from the National League under Gary Hours. They've come into the National League South, full-time squad, yep. uh, far and away the biggest team in the division, uh, as has been reflected in their uh, uh, support, both home and away. Incredible, amazing turnout at Evesham on, on, on Monday for a team that hasn't actually done anything or isn't pleasing its no, supporters no. at the moment. And we'll touch on another uh, point that Gary Hours made about how uh, today about at least some of the squad and, and we're talking by the way uh, about a really great bunch of lads yeah. I know from personal experience um, may not quite have grasped the how and we're talking Talker United here we're not talking about yes. Sunderland or Man United but how big a club they had joined and also the expectation levels and yeah. I think one or two are coming to you know, have come to realise that now. In other words, it is not good enough to be losing one nil at Oxford City, no. and and w without creating a load of a load of chances. It's not good enough to be drawing nil nil at Gloucester City. It's not good enough to be losing two nil at home to Hampton and Richmond. And I think the concern of the United supporters, over and above the the results, mm -hmm. is that United and putting it brutally, even during the first three games of the season in which they took seven points out of nine, that in an attacking yeah. fashion, United have not played well in an, as an attacking force this season. Uh, Nil-nil at Chelmsford was a real kind of bore draw, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, um, they struggled to beat Bath 1-nil and were outplayed for periods in that match. Uh, and they weren't exactly uh, taking East Thurrock to pieces before East Thurrock gave United the first goal, credit to Rory Keating for putting the defenders yeah. under pressure, and then duly beat them 2-0. But East Thurrock, like Gloucester, mm -hmm. uh, are going to be, uh, expect, don't wish any ill on either of those, uh, to be ha suffering and getting through quite a long season this winter. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the other results have, uh, have followed. So uh, I, I think... United fans, the 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 the, 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 the critical, you know, the, the, their unhappiness and yeah. their understandable unhappiness is is as much based around how United have been playing as as the pure results. And, and Gary Harris has responded to that this week then by going and getting these two lads from Bristol City. Yeah, the obvious thing will be, well, why didn't he do it in the summer? I'm yeah. sure lots of fans will be saying, look, <laughs> at the end of last season, and we've touched on that in recent podcasts, that you know the two guys who if they'd been with us for another month, might have kept us up. Elliot Romain and Rhys Healy, yeah. obviously, were both on loan. Um, and and I think there's been an element of disappointment amongst the United fans that what was clearly uh, appeared to them to be a, a, a high priority in the summer, yeah. to go and get... And I know United tried. I know ours tried all sorts of people, including Romain, who, and, and, and he couldn't prize him out of Dagenham. And, of course, he's still yeah. playing at Dagenham at the moment. Um, where he had another year on his contract. But United fans expected more in the summer than a rebuilding of all the other departments in the team, which he has done, yeah. except up front. And the, the 
the, the lineup up front, with the exception of Andre Wright being as it was yes. and, at the and, end of a relegation and we, season. And yeah. we must admit that Andre Wright has come in. But Andre Wright has come in um, as a player uh, playing at this level last season for Nuneaton Town. That's where he finished. Yeah. Uh, and even by uh, um, Gary Hour's own admission, he didn't arrive fit enough to start. And he still hasn't started. No. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, it's... This is the this is the atmosphere in which the current criticism has built up. Yeah, and uh, it, I, it's interesting that not once over the last few weeks has Gary Hours said that the fans are out of order or too critical. No. I, I mean, you know, when somebody chucks a cup of coffee over you uh, um, or, or tea, we're still not quite sure which one it was. Never mind. Um, all right, you're dealing with different stuff there, but the fact was that there was best part of 400 United fans at Evesham on Monday. Mm -hmm. And even at the final whistle, and even though none of them were thinking of, apart from one, of chucking a cup of anything over Gary Hours, they weren't happy with with, with that. Um, Now, uh, 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 Gary Hours still appears to have the support of Clark Osborne, the owner. In fact, only last week there was a restructuring of the football side of the club. Um, which I think one or two people found quite surprising, given the current situation. Um, and you now have, you know, Gary Hours is in charge of all football activities. Uh, Sean Taylor, I know it was in response, as a sort of belated response in a way, to the departure of Martin Cool just before the start of the season. So United have taken a while to look at that. Gary Hours has now promoted, if that's the right word, uh, because he was already head of academy coaching and still yeah. is. Sean Taylor as his assistant, um, and Dave Hedges, the um, uh, head of recruitment, uh, now becomes head of youth. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm not quite sure how that came about because uh, Jeff Harrop, the general manager, yeah. um, had been the man sort of uh, um, given the job yeah. by Clark Osborne to revive United's uh, to relaunch United's youth scheme. So. Uh, um, obviously, Dave Hedges is now yeah. in charge of that as well. So, no, I, 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 I do think he's clearly under pressure. Yeah. He's clearly under pressure. It, it, you know, he's been in the game an awful long time. Yeah. He, 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 he's not a. Stu- he's, he, he, he knows that this sort of situation, uh, and I, he probably has been in it before. Um, uh, uh, and something has to in, improve and change. In other words, if you cu- if you get relegated with a team, yeah, and. It's not us saying this. It's Clark Osborne and Gary saying this. They've said all this at the end of last season and during the summer. In other words, we have to be winning that league or or at least up the top of it. This is a bounce back season. You know, there's you know, I remember the quotes from Gary, I you know, I, I have to rebuild uh, yeah. uh, the faith, get the, get the fans that faith in me back, etc., etc., etc. Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, uh, and there, there are only seven games gone, but other managers have paid the price in the same number of games or fewer. Well, they? there you go. I mean, even at Plainball, Kevin yeah. Nicholson went after four games last season. Maidstone, you know, I mean, you know, it, it seems very hard, doesn't it? Yeah. You know, uh, Jay Saunders has just gone at Maidstone after what is it, five or six games? Yeah. Um, uh, so clubs do go down this road, as 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 we well know. Um, I don't think that United want to have another upheaval at this particular no. point, but you are at the stage of uh, of supporters' uh, patience 
and sooner or later the patience of the owner mm-hmm. uh, um, you know will run out unless this turns and Gary Hours knows it very well he knows he's got to start producing yeah. a team um, that, they, score, that scores some goals they're solid enough at the back yeah um, but uh, it's I mean they looked squeaky at the back on Saturday I mean they they, they made a lot of mistakes at the yeah. back in the Hampton I do think today. by the way that if you're not scoring goals or even creating that many chances up front sooner or later your defence comes under pressure yeah. and you start conceding goals that, that's the oldest one of the oldest yeah. principles in the game now the the Hampton and Richmond game. I mean, the fans won't put up with another meek and timid performance like that. No, I, I can't see how if Torquay turn in a performance against Hemel Hempstead on Saturday that is as bad as the one against Hampton and Richmond well, last Saturday. Yeah, then 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 you then are the pressure at, escalates, doesn't yeah, it? Oh, not only does it escalate, it gets to the point where um, you know you you have to look yeah. at the thing very very carefully and very critically. Um, I think, look. We're not talking, you know, football manager or Barcelona here. We're talking about National League South football or National League or League Two or whatever whatever it is. People turn up and pay their money and they want to see some action. If they don't get real quality action, they want to see effort and they want to see people busting a gut to put the ball in the back of the net. And they haven't seen it. No. And, and and that's the top and bottom of it. That they don't expect rocket scientists, they don't expect a chess match with you know, we haven't got Alex Russell and Jason Fowler and David Graham. We don't expect that sort of stuff. It's gone. But we are at a level now where people have to show you know, there there were there were two or three crosses that went in against Hampton and Richmond. And yeah. we were sitting next to each other with that kind of almost imperceptible, we're not out of our seat, but we're leaning forward in our seat, <laughs> as if to go, you know, somebody yes. stick it in, yeah. you know, or, or, or throw themselves at it. And of course, old farts like us immediately start talking back about people over the years who have ended up uh, um, in, the, in the back of the net themselves, yeah. uh, let alone the ball. Um, and uh, so it's that quality that people want to see. I don't think the reaction of United fans would, would have been nearly as bad if if United had been battering these teams, hitting the bar, the post, yeah. picking up nicks, cuts, you know, etc, etc, etc. There's been, it, it's, it's as if United, you, you, you said a word timid a little while ago. Yeah. All those words are coming out. Timid, tame, Punchless, uh, um, you know, and oh, then uh, absolutely, and, yeah. and, and that's what fans can't stand. Yeah, that, that, you know, you're not you, look. United fans, just like every other lower division set of supporters, are well used to teams not winning every week, and in United's case, not winning for a year or two. But they'll get, they'll, they will keep coming, and unbelievably, United's fans are still keeping yeah. coming. In other words, the one set of people who are keeping their side of the bargain here are the supporters. All right, they're not happy, and they're giving the team an hours a load of stick at the moment. But you know they're keeping their side of the bargain here, uh, and and it's it's long overdue that that United started keeping theirs. Very true. Now we need to deal with the unsavoury aspects of uh, of Monday at Evesham as yeah. well. I mean there were. A- there were a small number of followers. Well, I'm not going to call them supporters. Unfortunately, I, I, as, as some listeners may know, um, uh, Patrick Tinkler and I were on the doing the radio commentary on on Monday for for the for the club's commentary, um, and we spotted them before the kickoff, uh, yeah. um, uh, and you know they're hardly fully paid up hooligans. To be perfectly honest with you, they're not even that serious. 
Um, I do think there was a stewarding issue at, yeah. at Evesham. I don't think there was enough of them. Uh, I think that would have allowed the whole thing to be um, nipped in the bud. Uh, but during the second half, a little crowd, and we're talking about eight or nine, got behind the goal. You started kicking advertising boards, etc., etc. You know, and before you know where we are, on comes a flare, yeah. and and then another one, and then another one. They weren't at the, the flares weren't actually thrown onto the pitch this time, as they were east Eastley. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I think at least one went onto the pitch at Eastley. Uh, but one at Eastleigh that was serious landed right next to a photographer, I remember there. Now, this that wasn't the case yeah. uh, um, uh, on Monday. Not that it makes it any better. Um, but the game had to be stopped. The referee has to intervene. Yeah. Stewards have to blah, 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 blah. Absolutely ridiculous. Um, again, you can't help feeling, you know, <laughs> were there one or two older fans who might have gone, yes. oi, you lot, pack it up, you know, or else... But unfortunately, we don't live in a world where that sort of thing seems to happen yeah. quite so readily anymore. But um, I, I do think that if they had thrown three or four or five stewards at it straight away, it might have stood a chance of nipping it in the bud. They didn't, for one reason or another, whether the stewards were available there. We are talking about uh, Gloucester City who share Evesham United's yeah. ground. In fairness to them, they're not used to this sort of stuff happening at their matches. They yeah. get Gloucester City at Evesham are happy if they get 300 through the gate. But, of course, there were 720 turned up on, on Monday, of which the majority were Talker United fans. Yeah. Uh, and I do think it took them a little bit aback. Uh, so that was that incident. That was bad enough. But it, And it wasn't one of these kids that was involved in the... No. Beverage throwing. No, incident. it wasn't. That was an older, an older supporter, who is a supporter, by the way. Yeah. Um, he, he travels down from uh, away, north of England, so I understand. Uh, but he is a reasonably regular su supporter. But come on, you know, uh, 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 Gary Hours left the pitch uh, after a nil-nil draw, and the vast majority of United fans weren't happy about it, weren't, and were letting him know. Okay, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'm I'm absolutely sure that Gary Hours would have walked down the side of what is a very small stand at at, at uh, Evesham and straight to the dressing rooms, and that would have been that. Yeah. Uh, um, with the criticism ringing in his ears. But of course, as he was walking down, uh, this supporter, if you want to call him that, takes it upon himself. Now, uh, you put yourself in anybody's shoes like that. I don't suppose you've ever thrown a cup of anything over anybody in your life, and I certainly haven't. No. In other words, is that really a way to vent your no. frustration or anger? Come on, it's a, it's a pathetic way of going about things. And of course, yeah. Gary Hours then broke off from his passage towards the dressing rooms. He spotted the guy who'd done it because obviously it was not that far away. Uh, thank goodness there were people who jumped in yeah. um, uh, to make sure it didn't go any further. Um, uh, but uh, in those circumstances, I think Gary Hauser would have been a pretty strange person if he'd had the cup thrown over him and then just carried on walking. I can yeah. understand him confronting the, 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 the bloke. And of course, in some ways, it, was, it almost had the opposite effect because immediately the vast majority of sensible, upset and frustrated, but yeah. still sensible United fans, actually uh, uh, were, their instinct was to go to ours aid. Uh, um, and quite a lot of people in the aftermath of this incident went up to ours and apologised to him on behalf of the majority yeah. of fans. You know, so it didn't achieve anything. No, um, 
and, and it's just it's not acceptable it's disrespectful it could have been it could have injured him it's 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 everything it's, is wrong about that uh, everything that happened on monday i keep coming I, it was pathetic yeah you know the kids who chucked the flares were pathetic yeah you know, the guy who chucked the cup at gary hours it's pathetic you know, it's not even proper hooliganism, if you know what I mean. I mean, you and I can think back, <laughs> not that we ever, ever, ever want to see it again. Um, you know, tonight's against wolves and, yeah, and things yeah, like yeah. that in the 1980s. Uh, um, uh, many, many of old fans remind me of going to Swansea on Tuesday night and, you know, hitting the motorway out of Swansea, being quite relieved that we all got out without in, in, in one piece. Um, you know, that, yeah. that, that you were being pursued then by people who who could punch. Um, not that we ever want to see that again. No, and, no. and and thank goodness it it happens almost never now. But in perspective, um, this these are childish little incidents absolutely. that you know yeah. reflect very badly on the club. The club has had to apologise to Gloucester and to Evesham. Quite. Um, that's generated as a they did to Eastleigh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and as they had to at Forest Green a year ago. And it's interesting, isn't it, that all those incidents—Forest Green away, Eastleigh away, and Gloucester away—were all on bank holidays. They're all bank holidays, where they? a little group can get together. You know, it's not a Saturday. Of course, the, the majority of those kids are, are banned from playing more anyway. So I understand. So, yeah. and and of course, nearly all the regular United travelling support knew they were there within minutes of them turning up. That, that, that yeah. everybody knew, uh-oh, there's that little bunch, you know. So, but and it's... How, I, how do they think it's helping, you know, national publicity? I don't now, even I'm think, sure it's I don't the, think they get as far as thinking yeah. that. No, no. Talk, talking, I know, the club that had to apologise because, because idiots behaved like idiots. Yeah, and, on and one of their own fans threw a cup of yeah. tea over, over, over the manager. As, uh, it, as if we didn't have enough real problems to well, worry exactly, about. exactly. But there you go enough about that it, it, it's just one of those things that it just it just winds your clock doesn't it completely. well I, I, you know you, you and I we've been football supporters all our lives and we would defend the rights of you know admission paying supporters to shout within reason what the hell they like at games good bad and indifferent uh, and if they're unhappy with the manager just like any other club in the country uh, um, you know that goes with the territory mm. you, 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 you can call for his head you know you've paid your money you're not happy with what you're seeing, and especially when it's been going on for rather a long time, you can shout what you like as long as it's not, you know, yeah. overly abusive. Um, but the sort of stuff that happened on Monday, well, where, where's that going? Yeah. Nowhere. Now, changing the subject completely, talking about Monday, I didn't make the trip up the M5 on Monday. I went to Plainmore on Monday. Oh, yes. I went to watch Truro play Hungerford because oh, well um, we yeah. had some people staying over the weekend. One of them was very keen to go and see a game on Monday. So we went up to watch Truro. Well Hungerford. done. And it was a very interesting experience. Uh, it's, it, I, I wouldn't be so crass as to say that I've seen one game involving another team and I know all the answers. It was just interesting. It was a completely different kind of football. Saturday to Monday was utterly different. Saturday against Hampton and Richmond. The yeah. United's game against Hampton and Richmond and Truro's game against Hungerford. Truro lost 3-2, by the way. John Paul Pittman and Tyler Harvey scored for Truro. They had a player sent off towards the end as well, so five goals. But the, the only expression I can think of, and I hope this makes sense to people, is that it was football with the brakes off. Torquay seem to be playing at the moment. They seem to be playing with a bit of fear in their game. It's as if they haven't quite come to terms yet 
with where they are in the football pyramid. Whereas with Truro and Hungerford, you've got two teams who are at home with where they are in the football pyramid. They're playing a kind of an uninhibited football, if you like. I'm not saying it's better football. I wouldn't say that technically either of those teams is better than Torquay, no. although they've got some decent players. But the, the football doesn't have the same kind of... It, it doesn't have the brakes on, which no. is how Torquay no. looked for no. long periods yeah. on Saturday. In other words... If I'm reading you right, it's sort of it's optimistic football. Yeah, in a the, way, it might not it, it 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 might not work all the time. That's right. I but, mean, but but they're throwing things. You know, the crosses are flying in, the shots are pinging in, everybody's having a go. The tackles are flying in. Good heavens, there were some tackles flying in. But if you've been to see a really good game, let's say at Buckland when Torquay have been away, you'll get the idea. I mean, Buckland play that kind of football. It's a kind of a swashbuckling football hmm. um, that doesn't. You know, if a mistake gets made, you just wind back and start again. There's, there's just that feeling about Torquay at the moment is that there's so much going on in their heads. They can't afford to make a mistake. Maybe they're afraid to make a mistake. Um, well, I, I, well done for going along. Uh, uh, we were following the score at uh, at, uh, at Eastham on Monday, and we, we actually thought, well, that sounds a half decent game at, uh, at, yeah. at Playmore yeah. today. Um, uh, and you know, it's interesting to hear. Yeah. I know you spoke to you yesterday. Um, uh, sorry, but right at the start of the week when when we first got together, uh, and you clearly enjoyed it. Um, it, it was and had your fifteen quid's yeah. worth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, and and I, and again, that brings us back to I think to the point we were making at, at, at the start is that you know people are passionate about Torquay. Yeah, hugely passionate in in a way that. Everybody, or okay, everybody's passionate about their football club. Of course they are, and Torquay are no better in that respect than anybody else. Although they've had to put up with an awful lot more than most <laughs> clubs. But so, so when you're that passionate about something and you go, you keep going along, you just want to be lifted. Do you yeah, not? Yes, you do. And, yeah, and it's it. it's it's yeah. interesting. No one was complaining with the atmosphere in the last twenty minutes against Bath in the second match of the season no. when United finally turned round that Bath pressure and that the way that as well as Bath played Bath played in the second half. When the crowd sensed, I think United forced four corners in quick succession with about twenty minutes to go, the crowd sensed that the tide was turning and that Torquay was let's face it, it was the first home game of the season. Yeah. Best part of two thousand two hundred people there. And nobody was complaining about the noise and the atmosphere from the fans as United started putting the Bath defence under some serious pressure and then, of course, got the winner yeah. through Liam Davis. Nobody complaining about the atmosphere no. then or the noise being generated. And the crowd responded to what they were seeing on the pitch. Pressure. Um, I remember at the end of the season where United just stayed up uh, with Kevin Nicholson and they beat North Ferriby at home. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. great football, no. but there was a passion about it. And uh, um, uh, was it Jordan Lee who had a, had a hell of a game down the right hand side? He made some mistakes, yeah, but he was playing as if yeah. he was life depended on it. And and that's all the fans want to see. They just want to see people committing yeah. themselves completely to whatever they're whatever they're doing. Now, you know, football if. You know, we always say, don't we? It's easy back here. Oh yeah, um, yeah. and it's tougher yeah. out there. Um, but 
it's interesting that you you got that feeling last Saturday yeah, you that just, you hadn't got no. a Playmore on Saturday. You just uh, feel uh, that, uh, sorry on Monday that you hadn't got yeah. a Playmore on the Saturday. If Torquay could just lose the sort of inhibited, uptight kind of football that they seem to be playing, which is stifling the strikers, they're stifling themselves. Yeah. Um, and that's easier said than done. But it is. It is. But I, you know, let's hope that that Messrs. Opie Edwards and Jake Andrews can yeah. help in that respect. I think it's been, um, you know, there are, there are many, many managers like ours who have set out to rebuild a squad. Okay, what's the golden rule? Make sure you're solid at the back first, mm. then yeah. then start building to go forward. And I'm sure if Gary Owls had sat here, he'd say, look, that's that was that was the kind of the plan. Yeah. Um, you know, even Torquay don't have enough money to go out and buy a complete new promotion team just like that. Um, uh, and uh, you know, if I've heard, oh, it's only six games old, it's only seven games old. Once I've heard it a hundred yeah. times, not just from Gary Owls either. But it, it's you—you uh, um, you just want to see a bit more of obviously what you saw on Monday. Yeah, uh, uh, only a bit more, only a bit better in terms of quality and 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 delivery. So um, yeah, we'll 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 Let's hopefully see. But that. You know, let's face it. The clock is ticking. It, it's got to be. Uh, um, you know, you, seven games. What is it? Nine points. Yeah. I think United yeah. have got two, three, they're, two. They're, isn't they're it? still yeah. in the bottom half of the table. Yeah. That's not what uh, uh, United are here for. No. Um, uh, and uh, they're, they're, they'll start to run into a few games coming up. Hemel Hempstead, who are also, funnily enough, in the bottom half of the table. Um, yeah. They ex- certainly expect to be a lot higher up. Uh, I think they haven't won for four games, four no. or five games, something like that. But they do; they they've got some players there. Who they got? Me, they have. Well, some decent there's a guy called Sanchez Watt, who everybody thought was going to be the next big thing at Arsenal and Leeds for a while. Ended up at Colchester. He's there. Um, they've got a lad called Darren Ward, who many people might have seen playing for Crystal Palace and Millwall. Yeah. Um, a, a defender over the years. He's been injured recently. Might be back. And funnily enough, United lost at uh, lost. What am I talking about? They won at Hemel Hempstead in the FA Trophy three or four years ago under Chris Hargreaves, and that was a real difficult afternoon. I remember Aaron Downs played, had a tremendous game in defence that day, but they had a, an attacking midfield player called Jordan Parks that afternoon, and, and, yeah. and he gave United no end of trouble. And I think all of us who saw it, well, he'll he'll end up going up into the league. No, he's still there, but yeah. he's still he's still scoring goals and chipping in there. Jordan Parks, he's a de- he's a decent player. Um, uh, Teddy Sheringham's son Charlie's playing for them up front, um, and they are a team that certainly expect to be in the top six or eight. Yeah. Okay, it isn't happening for them either at the moment. Uh, They're you, one place below Torquay, aren't they? Or one they place are, above? But. They lost at home 5-3 to Chelmsford on, on Monday. Yeah. Um, and I don't suppose the Hemel Hempstead fans, who are numbered in hundreds rather than thousands, uh, booed them off the pitch after a 5-3 home defeat. No. They may have been a bit fed yeah. up and, and disappointed. but um, There were goals uh, everywhere <laughs> on Monday apart from Evesham. Apart, right? from, yeah. apart from Evesham. <laughs> where I must say, uh, uh, all credit to Gloucester, um, every single time they lost the ball, United were immediately faced with a bank of four and five. They left yeah. one up front. But that's hard work doing that. And Gloucester yeah. did it. Yeah. The pitch was tufty, to say the least. So it wasn't conducive to pinging the ball around or passing the ball quickly. Um, now, it's the same for both teams and you can't yeah. seek too much solace in that. But um, uh, there we go. Let's fingers crossed that it's better It's better against Hemel Hempstead on Saturday. Now, we're talking uninhibited strikers. Now, last week, we... We, we knew we, this we was knew. coming. 
that somebody would yeah, come up with a couple quite of right people. Too. We went in search of the perfect Talker United striker, if or we missed com- last week's yeah, so podcast. A combination of qualities to produce the, uh, the, the, the top striker, and we, we, we went through yeah. uh, almost... I think we even got back to Jack Connolly in the 1950s, <laughs> yes, yes. although we, none of us, thank goodness, ever saw him, or we're not old enough to have seen him. But we, um, we knew we'd miss somebody we, obvious. And, 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 and we did sure say at the did. end of last week's podcast, we are awaiting the phone calls and the emails. <laughs> yeah. How dare you leave him out? And thanks, Julian, for pointing out that we missed out not only Bayoak in Fenway. How did we do that? Who fits into that category, the, the, the Carl Airy category almost, the, the striker who hasn't quite got all of the attributes in all the right order. Yeah. But, blimey, don't they score goals? Yes. Um, and a slightly more classic striker, Colin Lee. Well, uh, profuse apologies to Colin Lee, who of course still lives around, uh, yeah. in, in these parts. And of course, he, he, he is a very much a South Devon born and bred lad who, who, who'd gone away. Uh, to Bristol City to yeah. start his professional career in the sort of early 70s, something like that, yeah. and came to United in the mid 70s. Um, uh, Frank O'Farrell actually signed him yeah. for ooh, five or six thousand, something like that. Played for United, good target man, decent in the air, quite lanky, I think yeah. would be the yeah. word you'd describe him as, but clearly decent. And of course, you know, he did very well at Playmore over the course of what eighteen months. Yeah. Um, and then uh, uh, his deeds for United earned him a sixty thousand pound move Correct. To, to Spurs. I, I needn't have looked this up this afternoon. I could just have Go asked on. you. No, you're quite. Yeah. You're right. You're absolutely bang uh, on. Uh, and uh, I'm sure you're going to tell us the next chapter of his career well, when he got to Spurs. This is the one that uh, that still crops up every time they put one of those classic match of the days on in the wee small hours or something, and it is on YouTube as well. Uh, he scored four goals, didn't he? On his debut for Spurs, four goals against Bristol Rovers. I think they won 9-0 nil. Nil at White Hart Lane. Frankie. Spurs in the old second division then, what's now the championship. Frankie Prince playing for Bristol Rovers that day. Just Did thought really? I'd throw that in just in case yeah. he's listening. The, he won't but, thank me for that. But, but what a lot of people won't know about that was that if he had still been at Torquay United, he wouldn't have played. Really? He, he had yeah. an Achilles tendon injury that he'd picked up at United United knew about it. Colin Leeds definitely knew about it. Uh, but United were very keen for the move to go through so they could get their hands on Spurs 60,000 quid. Which was a lot of money back in Telling those days. Telling me it was. It yeah. was, it was yeah. season-changing yeah. uh, sort of uh, income. Uh, Colin Lee went up there. It wasn't a, a bad, bad Achilles injury, but it was sore. Mm. And if you watch, and I have watched some of those replays, <laughs> uh, um, when he scores one of his goals in the, in that game, he landed on his Achilles, and you yeah. can see him pulling up and going, "Ooh!" And yeah. and if he'd been at, if he'd still been at Torquay, he would probably not have played on the Saturday. Yeah. But he went to Spurs, yeah. sixty thousand pound, new signing. In he goes into the team. There you go. Half fit scores four <laughs> scores four on his debut. Brilliant. The interesting thing that I, I did spot this afternoon while looking at these two, the and of course he went on to a fantastic career: Spurs, mm-hmm. Chelsea, yeah, uh, Watford. Well, you know, and ended up, funnily enough, even though he left United as a centre forward, which he certainly was here, he played most of his career at Chelsea as a right back. I think. Did he? Yeah. Didn't realise that either. Yeah. There you go. But their records of Colin Lee and Adebayo Akinfenwa were remarkably similar at Plainmore. Yes. Colin Lee scored 14 goals in 35 games. Right. Akinfenwa 14 goals in 37 games. Well, of course, the, the, the tantalising thing about Bayo Akinfenwa, who, of course, is, of course, is now one of the best-known 
and in most instantly recognised football, football mode, in, yeah. in, in, in the country, um, uh, is that his career was going nowhere when, when he came to Plainmore. Uh, um, uh, United, under Chairman Mike Bateson, sold David Graham uh, after his 23-goal season and promotion uh, to Wigan for 300-odd thousand, yeah, something yeah. like that. Uh, um, and uh, uh, obviously the United fans wanted a, a, a replacement, and the replacement was um, Adebayo Akinfenwe, who was, I think, at Doncaster at the time. Yeah, He'd been freed right. at Doncaster. Yeah. A yeah. free transfer. He'd played around Barry in South Wales, and his career in, in seemed to be going Lithuania or Latvia or somewhere it. like that yeah. as well. His career apparently wasn't going very uh, anywhere very fast, and of course he arrived at Playmore, and he was enormous. Yeah, and to this, he's a slip of a thing compared to what he is now. Well, though. exactly. <laughs> But it took United until the best part of Christmas to get him properly fit. Uh, and, of course, the, the United end up being relegated that season. Yeah. Despite, this is 2004-05 season in, in what's now League One, despite Akin Fenwa scoring 16 goals, and I'm pretty sure 15 of them came from Christmas to the end of yeah. the season. When they finally got him fit, he was almost unstoppable uh, uh, in terms of strength, turning, pace... Well, let's face it, you couldn't knock him over anyway. Um, and uh, he, he was... I, I remember a game at Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. Uh, uh, and he was totally unplayable for an hour at, at Sheffield Wednesday. United led 2-0 at Sheffield Wednesday. They drew two, two each in the end. And I remember John Benson, the old United captain and player, who was then working for Man City, chief scout, I think, for them. Hadn't seen him for years and years and years. And he came up to, up to me afterwards, we were shaking hands and chewing the fat a bit. And he turned around and he said, where on earth did you get him? You know, what a bloody player he is. <laughs> and I said, well, we finally got him fit. Yeah. Um, and he said, they couldn't handle him, could they? And, um, uh, of course, he left at the end of the season. And, and his year at United, he also won Player of the Year. Mm -hmm. And his year at United l l launched his career. He went to Swansea. He went to Swansea yeah. and yeah. never looked back after that. Yeah. But he was going nowhere very fast when he arrived here. All credit to him. He 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 on his good. I remember at Oldham one afternoon. He completely terrorised them, um, yeah. uh, just through sheer physical power and and pace. He was quick, by the way, in those days when he put his mind to it. Yeah, uh, could score with both feet. Uh, no, no, we, we were we were dreadful dreadful for us not to have included him in, in in the list of of centre forwards. And mentioning Mike Bateson then, of course, brings us to our final story of the podcast this week, which we were quite pleased that um, the BBC website the other day had this big splash, big story about Norwich City um, taking psychological warfare to a new level by painting the away dressing room pink to try and get uh, to try marginal and gains. I think they were trying to uh, <laughs> that's the, paint that, it. That's as. the shade on the colour chart, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, marginal gains. Um, but this is nothing new. Talkie did this well some years ago. Here we it? go. It it all started here. Everything everything <laughs> decent started here, as we all know. No, this this was a it 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 made us chuckle, didn't it? It certainly Guy, did. Uh, yeah. When we saw that, oh, this groundbreaking thing to try and paint a dressing room in these pastel, gentle colours to to make to relax the yeah. players so that they wouldn't come out snarling and biting and this getting is the stuck away in. team. This is the away yes. team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course. 1990, mid 90s, mid 90s. Darren like Moore that. was there, wasn't Darren it? Darren Moore yeah. was there. We we got a picture of Darren yeah. Moore as a young trainee at the time. Of course, he's now manager of West Bromwich Albion. 
uh, and Mike Bateson painted the away dressing rooms at Playmore pink and grey to do exactly yep. the same thing as Norwich have now done 20 something years later there you go, see. Uh, and my recollection was that it's had exactly the same effect <laughs> in the next match <laughs> Norwich lost 3-0 at home to Leeds uh, and United went on yep. to have one of their worst home seasons uh, for a very long time uh, so it, it, it didn't work. It didn't work. But, but um, pioneering groundbreaker, yeah. not for the first and, or the last time. And Mike I remember, Bateson. It, in fairness to Mike Bateson, he loved a bit of publicity yeah. and to try and keep the club in, and he did. And United were always a newsworthy uh, outfit. They always used to get far more national publicity than Exeter or Plymouth. Um, it did have the desired effect. The story went national yeah. and everywhere in exactly the same way. But it just shows, doesn't you? Chuck 23 years or whatever it was in the middle and everybody forgets it and they, uh, they had done not us though. not us not us not, not us. here on the Devon Live Herald Express Yellow Army Talker United podcast which we will bring to a close now thank you very much for your company uh, home game on Saturday yeah Hemel Hempstead at it's Plainmore. serious it's Three. serious we, 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 we do try and keep a smile on our faces because without it we'd have thrown ourselves in the harbour long ago wouldn't we but we um this is pretty serious on Saturday. Very good luck to United, including Opie Edwards and Jake Andrews. We all want them to have debuts yeah. to remember uh, and for United to finally start hitting the back of the net. That's it. Lose those shackles. Let's play football with the brakes off for a while and see how it goes. As ever, we'd like to see you up at Playmore. Come and say hello. Uh, and as we always finish, come, come on, on you yellows. yellows.